And November 19th, an immersive performance of the Quintet for the End of Time by the ensemble Salon Seance. Salon Seance is a group that uses theater and performance to bring the composer and the composition to life. Jay Stahl is the director. Nice to have you with us here on Mohawk Magazine. Welcome. Thank you, Andrea. It's a pleasure to be here. A little bit about your life as a theater director. Sure. I've been directing and writing plays for about 10 years in New York. I intersected with Mari Lee, who is the founding producer and performer in Salon Seance. Uh, shortly after I graduated from my grad program, I've been collaborating with her and, and other artists for about, I guess I would say, three years now on this project. Much of it during the pandemic, so a lot of Zoom meetings. <laughs> But as of last fall, we have been performing this piece to an in-person audience. So we're excited to bring it to Troy, yes. <laughs> That's so lovely. You're a playwright and a director. So how did you approach this? Well, we worked and collaborated with a playwright, my friend Johnny Lloyd, on a script that was meant to provide insider information about the performers and the composer of the Quartet for the End of Time. And that's what we've been working on. It's been adapted a little bit. So as a director, I was just very interested in how this lived in a room with people, particularly since the conceit of the production has to do with whether we can feel the presence of those not with us anymore. A lot of this derives from Mari's belief that the performers are mediums, for the audience, that performers through their nuanced understanding of the music that they perform and the composers who wrote that music, they can channel something more than the sum of the parts of the art. We've done a lot of research in, in terms of what mediums do and kind of old fashioned seances. And so I was very interested in a number of different orientations for this and ways of lighting and creating mood and how we experience and also interrupting how we normally experience chamber music and concert music. There are a couple of different models, but I was also excited about things that people wouldn't normally anticipate experiencing uh, when they went to see a piece of chamber music. Irrespective of the language used and the story that Johnny had beautifully written, both Mari and I were interested in disrupting expectations. That sounds good. I think we're going to give our listeners a bit of information about what this production is about. Sure, yeah. The composer is Olivier Messien. It was completely composed in a prisoner of war camp, not a death camp, but a prisoner of war camp during World War II. And the three other performers were fellow prisoners in the camp. And so the world premiere happened in the winter in this camp and was attended to by all prisoners in the camp, because two of the performers were uh, well-known performers in Europe at the time. These prisoners were doing a production because this was allowed them, as they were extremely talented musicians during the war, World War II or around that time. So how has the purpose of this composition influenced the way that you looked at it as a production, as a theater production? Well, I mean, it was undoubtedly influenced by the fact that we were generally collaborating on Zoom during a pandemic and a, a kind of pandemic that none of us had experienced before. The Quartet for the End of Time is 
in some ways, well, in many ways, a fairly religious uh, quartet. But what Olivier Messiaen was aspiring to do with the music was to break time and time signature. And so he was reaching for a kind of divine sound. The quartet itself has, because of its origins and because of its aspiration to reach past the misery of existence to something eternal and divine. It was something that we just clung to during a very dark time and still cling to during ongoing dark times as a way of listening for, I don't even want to say signals of hope, but just listening for divine sounds that we can hear. I mean, I'm not a religious person, but it seemed extremely appropriate for audiences who have collectively been traumatized by uh, death of family members and friends, near-death experiences themselves, and just disruption to plans and lives that were meaningful and are meaningful. So I think presenting a story about an attempt to listen for divinity and to break time written in circumstances that rival <laughs> the misery that we've all experienced certainly in in many ways uh, exceed it felt like a production worth putting up absolutely you were working with musicians initially on this and did you then have to adapt or have to change or or did you learn something amazing by crossing those those artistic cultures of music and theater is there quite a similarity between the two well, it's always something that Mari and I are very prepared for because the cultures are very different. Mari and the other musicians that we've worked with tour internationally as professional musicians. They're exceptional artists. They train for perfection, and perfection is a crucial part, a crucial first condition to the music that they make in order so that they can express their artistry past that. But I think in theater, the failure is actually <laughs> the medium that we traffic in. What is the surprising, unexpected thing that can happen that opens, um, opens up something that was not anticipated? And so these cultures are actually very different, where in theater, our rehearsals are oftentimes ways to create failures that give us ideas past expectation. But in traditional concert music, the performers have a certain level of expectation of perfection that they can't deviate from. So we talk about that when we meet and when we rehearse. And I think that generally acknowledges we have two different cultures of preparation. And that I will say that even though theater traffics in failure, it traffics in the similarities that are held is that it is about repetition and it is about craft. So it's not like we're sitting around just carelessly and lazily doing things, where, mm. but we're crafting different aspects uh, and looking for different goals. That's a conversation that we certainly had. But we've had just the great fortune to work with amazing musicians and amazing theatrical performers in the role of the medium and on an amazing script. So it keeps changing and evolving. We use different performers and different musicians. The script changes sometimes. And so it really is an active search for finding an alive theatrical moment that isn't deadened by um, what we've done in the past. But even as a director early on, you don't really know the shape of the thing. You've done research on it. You've read the script. You've listened to, in this case, the quartet multiple times you've read research on the background of all the performers and the composer, the situation in Europe at the time. 
it, it really is an open canvas in a way. Most of what I've done in my life in the theater tends to sketch and revise and erase and redraw or draw over all of those lived ghosts of experiences in the rehearsal hall embody and mount on top of one another to create an ultimate performance that has all of those options within it, that has all of the traces of what worked and didn't work within the final performance. And I think that's what makes a performance very rich. I think this is, is a very unique experience working theater in the structure of a concert. The flexibility in a musician when he's creating the music must change or must have certain adaptations. Does that influence Absolutely. Skill? That's where a theater and music performance are very similar. In discipline, once you reach a certain level of knowledge, the flexibility that that creates in terms of your artistic expression. I think, I think that's very similar between performers who are actors and then performers who are musicians. What needs to be known cold, like your name is the script that you've read and a number of the things that you've done in terms of research, that, that all must be known so well. And almost so that you don't need to think about it so that you can play on the surface of having known that. It's like um, the rhythm of an actor is, is quite similar to the rhythm of music. So there's somehow... a great deal of overlap. There's that difference in terms of process of how we exist in the rehearsal room together. But actors and musicians of this caliber approach their work in similar ways in terms of that level of perfection and then the ability to interpret on top of that. This has been Andrea Kanlev for the Hudson Mohawk Magazine speaking with Jay Stahl, director for Salam Seance.